0: This episode is supported by NC Idea. More on them later.
1: This is a movement and we're excited to be part of the movement. Equality or equity feels like oppression for some. The last frontier of the civil rights movement is really about access to capital. Equal access to capital gives you equal access to education. It gives you equal access to health and access to capital really is about owning the table Mm -hmm. and no longer about having an right to sit at the table. You're going to get me fired
0: (laughs) up. Hey everyone, welcome to Honey and Hustle. I am your host, Angela Hollowell, And today I'm speaking with Charles Enakin, who is the co-founder of Cadence Cash. In this episode, you will learn about the connection between equity and access to business capital. Hey, thanks so much for joining us today. This podcast is free and will always be free and available on YouTube, Spotify, Apple, Good Pods, hey you name it. While it's free for you to consume, it's not free for us to create. We pay our video editors, writers, production assistant, and operations manager for helping us make this show come to life. If you'd like to support us in making this show, please consider subscribing to our Substack community, using our affiliate links, or just simply sharing the show with someone who might enjoy it. All right, let's get into this conversation. Charles is the founder, co-founder of Cadence Cash with his wife, Andrea Inakin. And we're so happy to have one of the dynamic duo here today. Hopefully we'll get the second one on. Next time. <laughs> Next, Next time for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And he traveled all the way here from Raleigh, but he brings so much more with him than just his name. We really are excited to dive into your history in finance and how you came to say, well, there's more that I could be doing, and I wanna venture out and try to do that myself.
1: Absolutely, thank you so much for having me. First of all, I've been watching you for a while. This, uh, I think your, your podcast is absolutely critical to our community, and so thank you for giving people like me a voice, I um, really appreciate that. Um, and look, access to capital is really what this is about, and you know, access to capital is really the final frontier of the civil rights movement. Um, We've been um, working for decades to get in place at the table, uh, but now access to capital is about owning the table. Yeah. Um, and so it's really important for us to be mindful of that as we move forward. Um, for me, my journey started fourteen uh, when I was uh, 14 years old. Um, my parents were first generation. We're first generation in this country. Um, my father was an entrepreneur, my mom was an entrepreneur. Um, at 14, started working in their businesses um, and saw the pain points they had firsthand in raising capital, yeah. my dad had two strikes against him. He was a black man and an immigrant. My mom had three strikes. She was black. She was a white, a, a, a black woman, an immigrant. Against her, and so, you know, they had difficulty raising capital to pay employees and to buy equipment. Mm-hmm. I became a CPA like my dad um, and helped with bookkeeping and doing taxes. And we worked a lot with small minority businesses and saw firsthand. Their difficulty raising capital. Yeah. I myself became an entrepreneur uh, when I when I uh, became an adult and also struggled to raise capital. And so this was a. Um, a personal project for us, Cadence Cash is really about providing equal access to equitable access to capital to small businesses, in particular businesses
0: owned by women and minorities. We have had venture capitalists on the show before, we've had resilient ventures on before, um, but you're more than just venture capital, right? You do loans, you do grants, you have a variety of financial products that you can offer people. So talk to me about why you went that route versus the venture capital route. Absolutely,
1: so venture capital for many is really daunting and it's particularly for African-Americans, minorities, women, it's been incredibly daunting. Um, The numbers um, tell the story. Less than 1% of venture capital dollars in 2022 went to minority-owned businesses, less than 0.1% went to women minority-owned businesses. Um, And And so our focus was on providing um, quick access to capital for minority businesses that didn't require dilutive funding. Mm -hmm. And so we were mindful of the fact that folks are concerned about giving away their company as part of the financing process. Mm -hmm. Folks were also concerned about how daunting venture capital is. And so we decided to focus on providing um, lines of credit Okay. We decided to focus on providing microloans as well as grants okay. um, because what we found is that many small businesses needed quick access to simple, cheap, or affordable capital,
0: mm-hmm. um, and that's where our focus was. Yeah. And I think the part about like giving away a piece of your business is also kind of, in many ways, especially when you're starting out, which is a lot of times when people are raising venture capital like that is not a small thing to do especially if you're doing it before you've actually become revenue generating right so before you've even made your first maybe a thousand ten thousand one million however you've already said like ten percent of this five percent of this isn't even going in my bank account right so i don't have access to reinvest that money back into my business and with lines of credit with microloans with grants you know yeah you have to pay the money back but you're not giving away your soul to get that money you know and it's a faster
1: process yes uh, the venture capital process can take six months to a year mm-hmm. um, and it's grueling uh, nothing against venture capital but it's not the right fit for small businesses mm-hmm. um, i always like to say you should wait as long as you can before you go and tap into that mm-hmm. vault because uh it is a you lose control of your business mm-hmm. um Our customers are really excited about how quickly we can provide them funding and how simple it is.
0: So for small businesses, especially for service-based businesses, which also like notoriously are not the right fit for venture capitalists, which is a lot of what minority business owners are. They are primarily service-based businesses, some have products in addition to services, some are product-based only, you know, but really when you're starting out when you're a small business, you know, it's really about you know creating a service and really creating a quality service that people want to buy that's right you know creating a quality product that you can reiterate on and get make better as you continue to sell it and grow and scale that part of your business and then it's about doing it at scale because for a lot of times you know you're a solopreneur to start then maybe you want to have employees as you grow um and so like it can be difficult to think about okay well if I want to grow I'm making business enough for me I'm making enough but I want to grow and make enough so that I can have different services, different products, maybe different employees. Um, What are some of the counseling things that you, you, what are some of the things that you work with people on as they're looking at outside funding to grow their business?
1: Yeah, so one of the things we focused on when we built the platform was providing mentoring, Mm -hmm. coaching, and a community of folks who can help. Mm -hmm. Um, It's critical uh, in, in the process, and so... We provide uh, expert uh, access to experts on everything from creating financial statements um, to uh, developing your story, which is critical mm-hmm. in the fundraising process. Awesome. Um, and so, you know, myself, my background being a CPA, financial hygiene is critical in being able to raise funding, no matter what kind of funding you raise. And having good financial hygiene is about having knowledge about what are some of the key requirements that lending institutions, venture capital funds, would require for you to have, before you can even have the conversation with them. So coaching on getting your house in order, or um, understanding um, the kinds of uh, documents and financial statements you need, um, understanding things like insurance, business licenses, um, understanding understanding the regulations and the laws that impact your business are all critical aspects of this this process. And so we do help with that and provide coaching and 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 help people understand that it's, it is a bit of a journey um, but really ultimately it's part of your
0: story mm-hmm. as well for people that maybe have missed it in the beginning you work with a partner you're not solo, right which is a great advantage when you're starting your own business having someone there to bounce ideas off of someone there to help you make decisions and also someone there to help you you know analyze risk right in a business because being your own boss is is risky uh, so talk to me about
1: what it's like to work with your wife, Andrea. It's a joy. It's a, So our business is a family-owned business. So my co-founders include my wife, Andrea Inokin, who uh, is our chief operating officer. Uh, she's got 20 years of experience in private equity mm-hmm. and funding. Mm-hmm. And so what she brings to the table is, is great knowledge around how to build funds that can raise capital. Um, my sisters are also part of the business. Uh, my sister Angel Inokin is our chief product officer. Uh, she has a background in building products for companies like IBM, and she's helping to build our product as well. Her main focus is customer empathy. So we talk to customers a lot, and we have a lot in this process um, to help them, to, for them to help us build a platform that uh, is easy for them to use. And then my other sister is part of it as well, uh, Cheryl Inokin. She's chief development officer. She spent 20 years of her career um, raising capital for. Nonprofits. So my wife and I um, have a great relationship in that I understand that I'm usually always wrong, <laughs> and she's always right. Um, she's the boss in our household, and she's the boss in our company, and I love it. Um, but she's also she also brings um, uh, credibility and empathy for uh, particularly women um, uh, who own businesses. Um, they have a particular struggle that 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 we're we're trying to focus on, and that for me, sometimes it's lost on me, Mm -hmm. right? Um, The feeling of not being supported, the feeling of having to, um, the difficulty of really just asking for help and asking for money, Mm -hmm. um, is something that my wife has taught me um, Mm -hmm. in this process. And so um, communication is key. We have great communication already and uh, we just use that in our business as well.
0: This conversation is getting good and trust me, it's only going to get better. But before we go on, I wanted to take a minute to thank our sponsor, NC Idea. NC Idea is an independent private foundation whose vision is to help North Carolinians achieve their entrepreneurial ambition to start and grow high potential companies. They have grants, workshops, and an annual summit all to help advance entrepreneurship and promote equitable economic development to learn more and apply for grant funding visit their website at the link in the description or head to ncidea.org all right let's get back into this conversation yeah that's great um so first of all i knew there was an angela Edenkin. i just didn't know which one she was <laughs> and i thought that was your wife but it's, it's not they have similar names, so I'm going to give myself like a 10% pass now. <laughs> <laughs> But also, I just want to point out some of the language that you're using, which is language that I haven't heard. Financial hygiene, customer empathy, things that you wouldn't normally come across in a financial institution like a bank. Um, and I want to talk to you about that language and why that language is an important distinction between you and a bank. Because realistically, someone could go to a bank right now and get a line of credit. Someone can go to a bank right now and get a loan. I mean, all things being possible, yes. Not necessarily (laughs) that anybody can just walk into a bank and get those things. But like, so talk to me about, you know, why that language and why that ethos and that mission differentiates you from a banking institution.
1: So at Cadence Cash, our mission is to empower entrepreneurs to thrive on their own terms. And, you know, our focus is looking past the statistics. Uh, We don't look at credit scores. Uh, We don't look at, uh, other indicators that are lagging indicators that have been developed that we view we view with that that we view have bias in them, inherent bias in them. Mm-hmm. So we look beyond that and develop relationships with our customers. Whether it's um, a, a local um, landscape artist that we're helping to buy equipment, um, understanding his needs and his pain points, mm-hmm. and understanding how hard he works, um, or and these are actual customers, or um, a customer, uh, an African-American man who's trying to break into the beauty industry and developing a, a, a cologne for men mm-hmm. um, and helping him uh, close NIL, NIL deals uh, mm-hmm. where he's actually giving back to the younger um, high school and college uh, athletes um, and helping them to learn about business and helping them understand and giving them opportunities that they wouldn't otherwise get. Mm-hmm. Um, or, or, or helping... Um, a business owner like yourself, um, you're not a customer yet, but not yet. <laughs> uh, give a voice to people like me so mm-hmm. we can sp- share and spread this knowledge even more. Customer empathy is at the core of what we do. Our DNA is about looking beyond the numbers and looking at the individual that we're financing because I think there are m- way more financeable people out there mm-hmm. than are given being given the opportunity specifically because of the numbers.
0: Speaking of numbers, right? You are not a venture capital firm, but you are in a space where you are looking to primarily serve black, brown, women, people of color, entrepreneurs, and small business owners. Um, and as I mentioned on Resilient Ventures, I mean, like, what, 1% of people that receive funding were black? In 22, 1%. <laughs> in
1: 2022, less than 0.1% went to women and
0: minority owned businesses. I mean, just... Terrible numbers, terrible numbers, you know, makes you not even want to think about venture <laughs> capital, you know, or going outside of, you know. Venture capital has its
1: place. Yeah. Um, but what we're trying to do is fill that void between zero and venture capital funding. Okay. The average minority-owned business starts with less than $500 when they start. Mm. I don't know how much you had in your pocket when you started this business, but the I average
0: don't know is, if I I $500. <laughs> the average is less than $500. <laughs> yeah.
1: But the average um, majority-owned business
0: starts with close to $20,000 when they start their business. Mm. The concept of the friends and family round, to me, is is just unheard of, right? (laughs) But you guys are becoming the friends and family round, which is great. Um, There was an incident recently in Georgia where a fearless fund is now being sued and attacked for what a lawsuit claims to be discrimination because they are mainly aiming to serve black and brown and BIPOC entrepreneurs uh, with their funds. Uh, talk to me a little bit about, you know, your perception of the state of black owned capital funds and black owned lending services here in the South, primarily, but also in the United States.
1: You're gonna get me fired though.
0: Okay? <laughs>
1: so I, I apologize in advance, but actually, um, this is good news, mm-hmm. right? There's good news in this and that providing equitable access to capital is good business, mm-hmm. it's good for our economy, it creates jobs, mm-hmm. it grows the GDP, it's good for everyone. Mm-hmm. And um, the Fearless Fund case is just another um, dog whistle in a series of dog whistles. Um, going, if you go back to the uh, affirmative action cases, uh, if you go back to the cases voting uh, gutting voting rights, um, this is just another um, milestone in the civil rights movement, civil rights for everybody. Um, and I think the state of, of venture capital, black owned venture capital funds, women venture capital funds, is strong um, to me as is evidenced by the attacks that they're getting. Um, and so that's why I say that the last frontier of the civil rights movement is really about access to capital. Equal access to capital gives you equal access to education, It gives you equal access to health. And access to capital really is about owning the table Mm -hmm. and no longer about having a right to sit at the table. And so when I look at the Fearless Fund case, which was brought based on an old civil rights law uh, regarding uh, 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 non-discrimination in contracting, um, what the Fearless Fund folks are, are saying is that, look, this is a public good. One, donating to a cause is a First Amendment right. Mm -hmm. I'm free to donate to whoever I'd like to as part of my right to free speech. Mm -hmm. And two, the numbers in this area are so bad that providing funding in this area is actually a public good, Mm -hmm. creates jobs, and lifts the economy, not just for African Americans or minorities or women,
0: but for everybody. I think what people fail to realize sometimes about programs and... um, projects that are specifically aimed at black and brown folks, women, minorities, immigrants, um, is that your society only does as well as the least of us, right? So when people are struggling, in the long run, that does not help you. You, whoever you are, wherever you are. Um, And so for us to take care of people who are genuinely trying to take care of themselves and their families and their communities, we are essentially helping everyone lift together because how does it help you for someone next to you to struggle? Because eventually they're going to make it to the emergency room. And that in part is paid by your taxes. Eventually something's going to happen to them. That's not going to be good. Um, eventually they may apply for you know food stamps or something like that. Again, your taxes. So at least people that need these amount of services, now that these are public goods and don't need to be available, but you're helping everyone when people aren't relying on your taxes to do certain things that they need to do to live, like feed their families and have health insurance. And like, good grief, maybe not work all the time, you know, just to survive and pay their bills. Um, That in itself is a basic right, I feel like. Um, And so just to wrap up, you know, as we talk about what's next for Cadence Cash and, you know, where you see things going and branching outside of maybe the triangle and North Carolina, How do you see reaching more people, helping them tell their story, and developing more products to help them access the capital that they need?
1: Absolutely. So this is a movement, and we're excited to be part of the movement. Um, We talked about owning the table, and so what we want to do going forward is continue to provide mostly information. Mm -hmm. The most important thing you can do as a small business is to equip yourself with information, and it's free. Um, Having information gives you um, a much better chance of getting access to capital. Mm -hmm. Um, And so the future for us is really about trying to disseminate as much information about how to access capital. Um, Andrea will come back if you invite (laughs) her back to talk about how to get grants and things of that nature. Um, We want to expand our platform. Uh, We're seemingly focused on the North Carolina area right now just because we know there's a need here. Uh, But we are going to expand and grow, hopefully, and and we want to provide better access to information um, as well as better access to capital. We also see ourselves forming partnerships and relationships with um, uh, key channel partners, mm-hmm. um, uh, think, you know, banks, mm-hmm. credit unions, yeah. um, and other financial institutions. We'd like to join with them mm-hmm. to help them provide better access to capital. Mm-hmm. Um, in short, I would say that, you know, what this is really about, and my wife likes to say this all the time, that um, equality or equity feels like oppression for some. Mm. And what we need to focus everyone on is exactly what you said, that, uh, and and banks have looked at this, that if we help the least of us, we help all of us. Mm. And so thank you, Angela, for having me on the show. Thank you for this opportunity. Thank you for the opportunity to say that. Really appreciate what you're doing in the industry. Um, And um, we're here to support you as well.
0: I appreciate you so much. I appreciate you coming all the way from Raleigh to drop these gems with us and share what you're working on. So excited to have Andrea come back and super happy that you were able to join us today. Thank you. Yes. That's all for today's episode. And if you can't wait for the next episode, you can subscribe to our paid membership on Substack to get exclusive content like outtakes, bloopers, after-show thoughts, and more. If you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to give us a five-star rating on your app of choice or like this video on YouTube. We'll catch you in the next episode.